Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This Ben Jarofsky Show holiday special is brought to you by the Chicago Reader and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. It is a Ben Jarofsky Show special. It is a holiday special. It's something that Dennis and I have been planning for months and months and months. Really, the planning process began in June. Uh, where Dennis and I convened a special production meeting of the Ben Jarofsky show. You know, we're very organized. I don't remember this meeting. (laughs) And in May, Dennis goes, "Uh, Ben, it's really important that we start strategizing now about what we're going to do at the end of the year. Okay, this is a lie, guys. This didn't happen. (laughs) June. And so I said, yes, what are we going to do? And we got together and we thought about it. And Dennis said, I know we'll do the 10 gates of Illinois hell. Did I get that right? Yes. Because, you know, as I have, I have a habit of attaching the word gate uh, behind uh, any name or place or thing that's in any way controversial. And I learned this at a very early age because of the Watergate uh, scandal in the, the Nixon administration. And it had the name Watergate because the name of the hotel was the Watergate. That's where they broke in. A lot of millennials don't know that. So after that. Uh, As a joke, people would say when there was another scandal, they would put the word gate at the end of it, even though it had nothing to do with the Watergate Hotel. This is something I learned in 1972, a long time before Dennis was even born. And I've been doing it ever since, ladies and gentlemen. So why stop now? And uh, Dennis has picked his uh, habit up. And one time I was with Dennis, we were eating out. And he didn't like uh, the hamburger he got. And he said, this is a classic case of hamburger gate. This didn't happen either. (laughs) I just try to see if you're paying attention. So anyway, the 10 gates of Illinois hell. D, why don't you take a little further and explain which uh, numbers of gates we're going to be dealing with in this episode? Absolutely. It's our annual tradition here on the Ben Jarofsky show uh, where we Take the top 10 stories, local stories, all right? Nothing national, Chicago and or Illinois stories. We count them down, the biggest, the most that we've talked about, 10 through 1. You know how countdowns work. Uh, This year, boy, (laughs) this year was just, holy crap, what a year. So uh, hell on earth is what I've been calling this year. So uh, we figured we'd do a different little theme uh, with this year's uh, top 10 countdown special. And yeah, we're calling it the 10 gates of Illinois hell. Honestly, uh, I think it all began on this show uh, back in the WCU later days. uh, Burger King Ed Burke, after he was indicted, Ed Burke gate begin. You remember that? Right? <laughs> Is that what it began? I think that's where it began. Yeah. And then it was WC Later Gate, 
uh, when I got fired. Uh, there was a, you remember that? Yeah, that's a whole other game. That game. Yeah, I think that may have made the countdown last year. Hello? Oh. Uh, yeah, no, it's the uh, brown line roaring by. No, but we'll edit that out. Don't worry about yeah, Just that. let that sucker rip when the brown line comes by. Let's have some fun. Come on. All right. What the heck? People are used to the brown line. Sorry, D. With no further ado, let's get the gate going. All right. So I went back through uh, months of local news and Ben Jarofsky show content, and I've collected 10 Chicago and or Illinois stories that happened in the worst year known to man, 2020. The countdown begins. Ben Jarofsky, are you ready? Yes, sir. Hold on. Let me have a drink of water. Okay. You weren't ready. Okay. Have a drink of water. Glad I asked you. Glad I asked you. Let me get the top up. Okay. Now you're doing that on purpose there with that (laughs) bottle cap. Mm. I'm sure there's not not one person that listens to this show and goes, ah, more bottle cap jingly jangly noise. (laughs) Guarantee it. In fact, that may be like, oh, you know, this podcast, I like it, but that damn bottle cap jingly jangly crap. Okay, I had to swallow the water because it almost came gushing through my nostrils. It's time for the 10 gates of Illinois hell. (laughs) The 10 gates of Illinois hell. (laughs) Hell on earth, guys. That's been (laughs) this year. You should be. I'm scared, Uh. too. All right, so we begin here with number 10. Number 10. (laughs) Whoa. Oh, my God. (laughs) Bullshit. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. 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 Yes. Number 10 is bullshit gate. The time Cook County State's attorney, Kim Fox, visited our dearly missed... Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue during her primary race against Bill the Bro Conway and called the smear against her regarding the case of Jesse Smollett. Bullshit. (laughs) Ben, hard to believe it, but yes, that was this year. So I have the audio. Let's go back into time pre-pandemic. Ben, do you remember what the date was? Uh, that we did the interview? Yeah. March 5th, 2020. Holy crap, you know your Ben Jarofsky show statistics. <laughs> How did you know that? Can Seriously. Just, all right. Well, I don't really want to reveal all the secrets of my uh, derangement, but let me just say this. Uh, I remember I, it was a Thursday. It was a very, this was a totally different uh, era in the Ben Jarofsky show. Uh, so we, we were uh, in the studio, as Dennis said, my beloved little studio, my beloved bright one. Uh, and, um, so we would have at least three guests a day. Uh, I'd set it up dutifully. And, um, so in this particular day, I think miles came in, uh, and then miles left. Uh, and then, uh, uh, Kim Fox came in. No, uh, big Ed Maher, big Eddie. I love you, Ed. Thanks for all the support. Uh, Ed Maher uh, from the Operating Engineers Union came in, uh, and then he left, and then Kim Fox came in with a whole entourage. Uh, and so I just I remember that we had that was one of our most popular shows, and I would go back and look at the um, the numbers. March fifth just sticks in my mind. It was all three shows did very well, so that's why I remember because. You know, I obsessively follow <laughs> the hits that our shows get. 
I'll tell cool. you what, you say Sierra what you did. want about this Ben Jarofsky show, all right? Bottle cap, jingly, jangly noise, whatever, but damn it, we bring our lunch pail, all right? We would do three guests a day yeah. in that And in I that booked studio. them all. I booked them all, okay? I booked them. Mwah, me. <laughs> okay, we get it. I did not. I did squat. You did it. Well, you no, did you, it all. We get it. Board. Okay, you ran the board. Okay. Very important. But it was March 5th, 2020. Uh, Jay Marie weighed in on the live stream chat. What's happening, Jay Marie? Thank you for joining us. She says, wow, that was this year. Seems like forever ago. No kidding. Holy no, God. It doesn't even you know feel what, like 2020. It doesn't feel like 2020. And um, no, wait, it uh, was. Yeah, it it doesn't feel like 2020 it was right before we stopped going in for the pandemic, I want to say. Um, but uh, the thing is. Uh, that Jesse Smollett scandal is just like such a a distant planet, and it's when it's just funny conjuring up because it was such an important story politically and such an absurd story and such an overblown story in my humble opinion. But the absurdity of it, the celebrity of it, it caught on, and we were compelled to talk about it. And I talked about it with so many different guests, you know, Ramana Hussein on Fridays uh, and um, so many t- updates on Jussie Smollett. Now, when I, in retrospect, I think of the pandemic and where we are with the, with Trump and I just, good God, I can't believe we spend so much time and energy talking about that story. All right. So let's go back into time. Here's Kim Fox cursing like a sailor on the Ben Jarofsky show. going back into time it's not that i'm not forceful it is the trick bag that you're placed in when you are a woman when you are a woman of color in these roles where the dominant culture gets to tell you who you are and what this issue is this issue with smollett because i'll just take a hit on we've got 12 days left is excuse my line it's bullshit sorry it's a podcast (laughs) (laughs) it's a podcast Oh, Ben, you sounded younger there. <laughs> I was so much older than... Sorry, wasn't supposed to sing. Uh, Shortly after her primary opponent couldn't believe it. She said bullshit on a show. Bill the Bro Conway and his team created an online campaign featuring our interview with Kim Fox and her saying bullshit. The reputation of the city of Chicago wasn't marred by Jesse Smollett. This issue with Smollett is bullshit. A special prosecutor has now been assigned. Kim Fox finds herself in the full-blown investigation. of Smollett receives special treatment. This issue with Smollett is bullshit. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. 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 Whoa. Bullshit everywhere. Yeah. Oh, that's delightful. Uh, first of all, when she said it, you know, there was something about that studio that just brought out the cursing sailors and everybody. Yeah. And, uh, Strangely. We, we, yeah. It's strange. And, and when we began the podcast, uh, we were transitioning out of uh, AM radio uh, where my God, if you swore, it was such a big deal. There was this red button you had to push and I was a rookie at it. And then like somebody, it didn't happen often, but some, occasionally somebody would swear and I would totally panic. Mm-hmm. Like, 
which is one of these freaking buttons am I supposed to push? And of course, Dennis, as we all know, went to radio school and no problem. Hey guys, how's it going? (laughs) So he knew which button to push. But like there was one time, D, somebody swore and you were, for some reason you weren't behind the desk. You weren't (laughs) like sitting right there. And I'm like, huh? I'm looking at it. And uh, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, Yoda ran into the studio. Yoda, Yoda. (laughs) I've never seen Yoda run. Yoda's not, when you look at Yoda, you don't think of an athlete, okay? Oh, Here right. comes Yoda. Well, when, when you don't work with him anymore, it doesn't come across as friendly when you say things like that. Oh, no, if I was working with him, I'd say, I think I told him, i go, Yoda, I've never seen you run so much. And he pushed the buttons. And then he would explain to me, you don't understand, Ben, uh, this is a progressive radio station. If Donald Trump, if Donald Trump heard us swear, okay, he'd take our license away. Well, we could argue about whether they're progressive or not, but they were very uh, anti-Trump, so I get it. So anyway, but we come into our little studio at the Sun-Times, and, you know, we brought, we carried that baggage with us. You remember, D? And so you and I pledged, we're not going to swear. We're going to treat this like it was AM radio. We're not going to swear. And But our guests are like, F-bomb this, <laughs> M mother bomb that you know the swear and like El, El Dragon comes in and we started doing the over under how many minutes how many minutes would go before he dropped his first f bomb and uh, so by the time the um, Kim Fox interview rolled around we were kind of used to swearing and I don't know what got into her you know I mean it was just maybe I just looking at old hippie Ben just brings that out into people but she just said bullshit and. And she looked at me like, can I say that? And I go, it's a podcast. Say what you want. And I thought that was the end of it. And I forgot this bizarre, hypocritical world we live in. Like, everybody swears all the time, folks. We all know that. Everyone swears. We just heard, we play all the time, a taping of Mayor Lori Lightfoot swearing at Alderman Ray Lopez and Alderman Raymond Lopez swearing back at, at uh, Lori Lightfoot. And everybody knows all our leaders have potty mouths and they swear like crazy uh, when they're not in the public's eye. But we're supposed to pretend as though people don't swear. Newspapers still do that pretense where like they won't write the word. What are you protecting us from, newspapers? Everybody swears. The guy who wrote the article that wouldn't spell out the word shit swears like a sailor (laughs) all the time we're ahead of the curve ben we're ahead of the curve in about a year or two you're going to see the sun times the headline reads ah fuck off everybody (laughs) we're ahead of the curve all right the the bright ones always protecting people don't worry we got you covered granny they got this notion of their readers is these very sensitive old people who will fall apart if they see a swear word oh my god (laughs) i saw the word i don't even want to say it but fuck (laughs) So anyway, we did. By then, Dennis and I didn't think it was that big a deal. Lord knows, everybody else thought it was a big deal. Sometimes actually wrote a story about it. Well, a part of me just kind of felt like I don't know, like we're going into this big sometimes nice building, walking in there. Hi, how are you? How's it going? Then you jump in the studio. Oh, fuck this shit. That I don't know. It just felt weird. Yeah, I. Maybe it was that too. We just we, we wanted to be good citizens and get along with everybody. It was so it was a lovely little studio, but everybody else swore, and uh, so um, anyway, she said it. I didn't think it was much, and but the Sun Times wrote a story about it, 
And uh, yeah, I kind of forgot his, his name, but Bill Conway, and he was the kid running for state's attorney, uh, comes from a fabulously wealthy family. His father made a fortune in the arms munitions business. And all of a sudden, he's running a campaign uh, against Kim Fox that is essentially uh, making the point that society as we know it is falling apart because of the Jesse Smollett situation. Smollett gate as we called it. We called it Smollett Gate. Hence, you take the gate, you put it on the word. And uh, totally exaggerated, relatively meaningless situation that uh, where Kim Fox, I will always say this, got caught up with the celebrity of Jesse Smollett, took a phone call she shouldn't have taken, took, made a call to Eddie Johnson she shouldn't have made. Eddie Johnson clearly uh, was acting, following the clout train so what we saw was clout in action, celebrities getting their way. And that folks, I hate to say, this is how the world works. If some big time, we never found out D who the person was that made the call, but let's say it was a famous actor. Let's say it was Brad Pitt. I'm just making it up. If Brad Pitt calls Dennis, he's going to take the call and he's going to do a Brad Pitt act. Do we have a, do we have a Brad Pitt impression, by the way? Do we have one? Um, I'm trying to conjure my Brad Pitt from once upon a time in Hollywood. He's so good. Uh, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. Okay, George. Just wanted to see if you're okay, George. That's all I was asking, George. Just want to see if you're okay, George. Livestream chat. Let him know how he did. I don't even know if the guy's name was George. It was the character played by Bruce Dern. It's one of my favorite scenes in that movie, which I've now seen. Five times. Love that movie. What a freak. (laughs) Anyway, so she said, bullshit. And Billy Conway, looking for any way to get traction in a campaign that was going nowhere, took it. And then he, as as we just heard when Dennis played it, amplified it, so it reverberated like it was an old 60s psychedelic rock song. Bullshit. Yeah, that that was them. I didn't I didn't do that. That was the Bill Conway campaign. That was the ad they made. And then his uh so I wrote about it and talked about it. It was the greatest thing that happened to the Ben Jarowski show. <laughs> Damn right, buddy. <laughs> oh, I'm eating lobster tonight. Yeah. I'm always saying, hey Donald Trump, why don't you tweet about us? Okay? We're always making fun of you. So uh he 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 got us some attention, some notoriety. Uh, and I wrote about it. And then his his campaign manager sent me some kind of like trash talking uh, email. I can't remember what he said. So, yeah, they were desperate. Oh, it yeah. didn't pay off. They were utterly desperate. They made an issue out of that. Uh, they It was a bullshit issue. Smollett Gate was a bullshit issue in itself. Uh, so, but I will say this. It got us a little attention. So, you know, hey. Not so bad. We'll take it. So I want to thank you, Bill Conway. Thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, I don't remember the details of that email they sent, but I know in somewhere they called you a, a hippie. So I, I remember that. <laughs> it's what they, so when, when, they, when this young, uh, you know, that's what they do, man. Let's be honest, man. When, when one of the, uh, like a slick young guy who's working for uh, Bill Conway, who's a slick young guy, takes a look at me 
They're just thinking, what a fucking hit. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> oh, he's tr- Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, so there it was once again, number 10 in our 10 gates of Illinois hell, bullshit gate. The time Kim Fox said bullshit on the Ben Jarofsky show. Moving right along in our 10 gates of Illinois hell countdown. Our number nine story also happened before the pandemic. Number nine. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm a Trumpocrat. The Trumpocrat, that's right. Yes, indeed, people. Number nine, Blogogate. The time when President Donald Trump pardoned the 14-year sentence of our imprisoned Illinois Democratic governor and former guest on Donald Trump's reality show, Rod Blagojevich. After his release, the former governor, the former governor returned to his Ravenswood, Chicago home and delivered a speech. And it was weird. It's been a long time since I've shaved with a normal razor and uh, it takes a little practice. I'm sorry about that. I got to keep dabbing. So I have to apologize for his tardiness. He couldn't find where I put his socks this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Lots changed in the early eight years that I've been here. Oh, boy. The former Democratic governor has had nothing but praise for the Republican president who hopes to secure his own second term in office this November. Yeah, that didn't happen. Uh, Blagojevich said of Donald Trump's pardoning, quote, he didn't have to do this. He's a Republican president. I was a Democratic governor. Doing this does nothing to help his politics. The date that it happened. Ben, take a guess when that happened. What date? What was the day? Uh, Blago, I would say, no, I'm really guessing here, but I would say February 23rd. That was pretty close. February 19th, 2020, Blago game. All right. This was one of my favorite stories of the year. I took such immense delight in this story. The, the, just the depths of cynicism on everybody's part in this story uh, is just enormous. It's like taking a, it's so deep. The cynicism It's like diving into the middle of the Pacific ocean and trying to touch the bottom. You'll never reach it. That's how deep this cynicism is. First of all, let's start with Rod Blagojevich. He was, Public enemy number one in the state of Illinois, rather unfairly, I thought. It was like everybody hated Rob Blagojevich because he was an unlikable person who became governor by virtue of the fact that he had connections to Richard Mell, one of the most powerful Democratic committeemen in the city of Chicago. He rode those connections all the way to the governor's mansion. Then as soon as he gets in the governor's mansion, he spurns Mel. All right. And then and Mel's uh, allies, so they always talked about it like uh a man who went through med- got married young and that his his wife put him through medical school as soon as he becomes a successful doctor he dumps his wife uh, for his beautiful nurse or beautiful secretary that's the analogy that mel's allies made <clears throat> so in many ways rob Blagojevich was an un- thoroughly unlikable guy who took advantage of all the opportunities put in front of him to become governor but in my humble opinion the crimes that he committed, as bad as they were, were exaggerated beyond proportion to make him look like the most evil things that have ever happened in the state of Illinois. I would say just the ongoing, what, kleptocracy in Illinois and Chicago politics, where we just throw millions and millions of dollars at well-to-do, well-connected people who don't need it, far outweighs anything that Rob Bogoyevich did in trying to exchange 
his ability to appoint a vacant, uh, to fill the vacancy created by Barack Obama getting elected president. For what? Campaign donations? I don't know. But everybody pounded their chest so self-righteously, making themselves out to be like cleaner than clean in rushing to impeach him, kick him out of office. After what, two trials, he got sentenced. Totally, totally distorted sentence. And I say this as a guy who didn't even like Bogoyevich, who Bogoyevich never returned my phone calls. Bogoyevich was saying, stay away. You know Mel. Mel told him, stay away from that bleeping Jarofsky. He's nothing but a bleeping commie. And so I never, I have no relationship with Rob Bogoyevich at all. He was an Eddie Verdolier guy back in the Harold Washington days. I was for Harold Washington. Why would I have a relationship with Bogoyevich? But I thought, I thought it was a bogus, uh, overdone sentence, too many years. I was completely for him getting released. He wasn't going to get released uh, by appealing his case. <clears throat> so what did he do? He played to Donald Trump's ego. Uh, Bogoyevich and his wife both started serenading Trump with his favorite song, which is that you've been a victim of overzealous prosecutors. I was a victim of overzealous pro- prosecutors. So Donald Trump fell for it and released him, <clears throat> commuted his sentence. All of a sudden, the Republican Party lost its issue against the Democrats because Rob Bogoyevich was the guy that Republicans always use to depict the Democrats as a corrupt party. Uh, Now, you got to say they're very resourceful. They immediately switch gears to Michael Madigan. We'll get into that in a little while. But they went from Bogoyevich being the worst of the worst to Madigan being the worst of the worst. And Illinois voters, not that bright, I've said it many times, have bought into it. You know, they believe whatever they see on TV. So now they think Madigan's the worst of the worst. First, they thought Bogoyevich was the worst of the worst. Now they think Madigan's the worst. Whatever they see on TV, Illinois voters, oh, it makes sense to me. So he cuts out of jail. Trump is heralding him as like a, a victim of overzealous prosecutors. And uh, he just goes in 100% for Trump. I'm a, I'm a Trump cat. Yeah! He would have said it. And overnight, he's a hero to Republicans. He does fundraisers just for the Republicans. I'm like, can you guys get any more hypocritical Republicans? Nope. Ah, yes, they can be. The Republican Party is capable. Just when you think they sunk to a new low of hypocrisy, they can go a little lower. So I love that story because it exposes the hypocrisy of Republicans, the shamelessness of Rob Bogoyevich, the ego of Donald Trump. And now, you know, like all oh, the do-gooders and who write the editorials, they don't know quite how to use it. Like the Tribune, you know, they always rail against Donald uh, Rob Bogoyevich, but they're afraid of, you know, getting uh, MAGA mad. So they stop talking about, they never talk about Blago anymore. They don't talk about Madigan. You know what I'm saying? So that's unbelievable. Great story. Rod Blagojevich, thank you for providing us good material. By the way, dude, how many years? He was in jail for, what, eight years, D? Comes out looking fresh as a rose. Unbelievable. (laughs) Mike Girardi on the live stream chat, he waited. He goes, man, Ben always kept saying that Rod, uh, Rod looked fit as a fiddle. Fit as a fiddle. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Mike. I forgot my... Look, unbelievable. What are you taking steroids in prison? Okay, his hair is gray. You know, he stopped dyeing it. He's like, great. I'm like, I got to 
to go to prison. No, I'm just kidding, guys. I don't want to go to prison. Well, I remember yeah, there was some like, there were some people that when they saw Silver Fox, uh, Rob Agoyevich, uh, two words, hubba hubba. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway, and then the dude in the background, trouble crack, yeah. <laughs> it's number nine on oh. our top ten list. Blogogate. I'm a Trumpocrat. The Trumpocrat, that's right. Okay, so those were our two stories that happened before all hell broke loose. Before this uh, before this damn dirty coronavirus took over our lives. The rest of our countdown involves stories from the pandemic on when things got really weird. Ben, before we continue with the countdown, take us back to when the pandemic got real. What memories do you have uh, when things just started to, you know, kind of shift and we slowly made it to your attic? There were uh, two memories I have. One was the last time I was on a train and going to the uh, our beloved little studio. And every time someone sneezed, I go, uh-oh, I'm going to catch it. I was like, it was entering my uh, conscience as a, like a, like a thing. And then that last day, we went in, it was a Tuesday mm-hmm. uh, in March. I want to say uh, it was about uh, the 17th. It was I right say. after the election, right? The primary? It was the day of the primary. Okay. I, I voted on the day of the I went to my polling place, had the hazmat suit on, went in, voted. Mixed message number one. That's been a favorite theme. Uh, you know, uh, be scared, be very scared, but get out there and vote. Uh, anyway, uh, I voted and then I went to the studio and Dennis was there and none of our guests came in. They all did it remotely. They all called in. And, uh, I remember looking at you D and going, you know what? I think starting tomorrow, we're just going to go to my house and do this thing. Cause this is too weird. Like doing a remote from the studio and Dennis was <laughs> wiping down everything. And oh, we had Michael Girardi right on time. Remember the last day you were in studio and you guys tied tissues over the mic. Yes. Yes. Michael, you just read my mind. If you could read my mind, left. I put the uh, we put the tissues over. Then after every uh, guest left, Dennis would take the tissue off and put another tissue on. We we're freaking out. So I said, "Let's just go." And uh, so that was my uh, yeah. And I've got and I've gotten so much more education on how to handle this. I'm just grabbing dirty ass napkins, taking them off microphones. What am I doing? All right, the tissues. Tissues, yeah. What a memory, Michael Jarek. I give him credit, man. That guy must eat a lot of carrots. Is it carrots? Is it carrots that's good for the memory? Is that good for the memory? Moving on. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was carrots, but maybe not. I just remember uh, hanging out at home watching TV, and then the the Rudy Gobert thing happened, and the NBA shut down, and then Tom, and then like an hour later, Tom Hanks got it, and I'm like, oh, damn, it's yeah. really real. I remember that. That's the moment I really remember more than damn, anything. Tom Hanks, man. All right, it's time for number eight in our 10 Gates of Illinois Hell, a Ben Jarofsky Show countdown special. The 10 Gates of <laughs> Illinois Hell. Oh, man. No expenses. No expenses. Happy holidays. <laughs> hey, WBZ, are you listening? Are you listening to this production quality? Huh? Just saying, WBZ, are you listening? Go ahead. The story broke. June 11th, 2020. Number eight. It's Popcorn Gate. 
The time when 13 Chicago police officers, including three supervisors, slept on a couch, popped popcorn, and drank coffee in U.S. Representative Bobby Rush's Southside campaign office while looting was happening during the George Floyd protests. Ben, I'm just going to give you the ball. All right, time out. What date was it again, did you say? It says the story broke. I The story I saw, June 11th. June 11th, okay, yeah. Uh, yes, this is uh, in the unrest happening throughout the city of Chicago. Man, we talk so much about this stuff. Uh, and the aftermath of George Floyd's murder by police in uh, Minneapolis. And, um, yeah, it was that story was broken as a scandal. This is another classic scandal, front page news. They showed the pictures of the police officers that the video, the cameras had taken of the police officers lounging in Bobby Rush's, Congressman Bobby Rush's office. And Bobby Rush had a press conference and he joined Lori Lightfoot. And it was interesting because they kind of buried the hatchet to go after these cops. And, you know, I'm the, guys, I'm a, still got that dispassionate journalist in me, like very skeptical about anything. That's being fed to me by politicians. Even if I like him, I've known Bobby Rush for a long time. I don't know Lori Lightfoot, but I know Bobby Rush. And I'm like, I don't know. Because knowing Chicago, I mean, it could be the story they fed us was that these cops just like were hiding out instead of doing their uh, police duties, were hiding in the office, uh, Bobby Rush's office. And it was sort of like, hey guys, the word got out. We could just, chill out here and there's popcorn and there's coffee and oh, oh you hang out i'll hang out and they all hanging out at bobby rush's office and i'm sitting there you know i'm watching bobby rush and Lori lightfoot get together and they're loving each other i just want to remind everybody that bobby rush was one of the most passionate opponents of Lori lightfoot before the um the runoff election in April of 2019. Just want to mention that he was a big supporter of Tony Preckwinkle. And before that he was a big supporter of Bill Daly. Wow. Uh, Talk about a transition from Bill Daly to Tony Preckwinkle. And uh, he said there would be blood on the hands of, I think it was uh, Chicagoans if they elected Lori Lightfoot as their mayor, because somehow or other that would lead to police abuse. And Lori Lightfoot was offended by it, but you know what D she forgave Bobby Rush. You know, we talk about this all the time. The Chicago Teachers Union came out hard against uh, Lori Lightfoot. She never forgave them. And I don't think she's ever forgiven Tony Preckwinkle. And, but somehow or other, she found it in herself to forgive Bobby Rush. So I think there's a little strategic thing going on there, you know, like making uh, amends with Bobby Rush would help her more than making amends with uh, Stacey Davis Gates because Stacey Davis Gates is a convenient opponent to have for a mainstream centrist Democrat because then automatically, you know, you got the Tribune on your side and the Sun-Times editorial board on your side because none of them like the Chicago Teachers Union at all. So it's convenient who your enemies are in the city of Chicago. And um, so, yeah, all of a sudden they're bat pals and they're saying what an outrageous is and there needs to be an investigation. So I'm like, okay, let's have the investigation. Were those police there, you know, as usurpers, so to speak? Did they just let themselves in and take advantage of a situation? Or I don't know, is it possible that someone in Bobby Rush's office asked them to guard the office and said it's okay? 
to sit there. D, you know, they promised an investigation. There's been no investigation. No. Hmm. Whoa. By the way, it's pouring rain outside. <laughs> Torrential downpour. Just a couple days before Christmas, I just saw an ark go by with a couple giraffes in it. Uh, anyway, um, I'm going to chuckle out of Dennis here. So, so I, I, it's, you know, I have the skepticism in me, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to see. I know we're going to get a lot of investigations uh, in the latest scandal involving uh, City Hall, the Anjanette Young case, the video of Anjanette Young. We'll be talking about that later, I'm sure. But it's so funny how much was made of Popcorn Gate and of the policemen eating the popcorn. That was a big deal. I just kind of curious. You know, they, you know how stories like they hit and they just kind of quietly go away. And I'm like, hey, what's going on with Popcorn Gate? Whatever. Hey. Whatever happened to Popcorn Gate? Yeah, you know, whatever happened. Hey. It's a mystery. (laughs) All right. That was number eight. Popcorn Gate. Moving right along. And speaking of the George Floyd protests. Number number seven. Oh, my God. Number seven in our 10 Gates of Hell countdown happened on May 31st. Oh, yeah. It's Bridgegate. The time Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot decided to raise the bridges and limit access to and from downtown after, well, quite frankly, after shit got rowdy during the George Floyd protests. If you live in Chicago, I'm sure you remember the night fondly. Chicago Police Department said that 240 people were arrested and 20 officers injured. Mayor Lori Lightfoot, who had already ordered an indefinite nightly 9 p.m. curfew, I remember riffing on this, said the Illinois National Guard had been requested to help keep order. She said only essential workers would be allowed into the Central Business District, city trains, and bus service uh, would be suspended. Major streets would be blocked with city sanitation trucks and Chicago River drawbridges allowing pedestrians and vehicles into downtown would remain lifted. Oh my goodness. We talked uh, so much about the city's policies uh, regarding the unrest, the rioting, the looting that took place uh, in the early part of the summer and in the later part of the summer, actually in August, there was a flare up and um I just think of many of the guests we had. Matt Harvey, I don't know if you remember him, uh, the outstanding mm-hmm. guest uh, from Tribe coming on talking about it. He spent, uh, I think, every day of that weekend out on the streets observing what was going on. Um, Troy LaRavier, good friend of the show, uh, went to a protest outside Trump Tower, got arrested, spoke in detail about the police strategies that day and what it was like getting arrested. I still urge people to listen to that one. It's one of my favorite interviews uh, of the year. Karen Hawkins, dear friend, uh, my editor at The Reader, uh, had talked. She lives downtown, and she talked about the situation. Uh, and just the very – and, of course, Raylo, Alderman Raymond Lopez – uh, his confrontation with Lori Lightfoot that we play endlessly because it gives us a smile every now yes, and then, yes. folks. Uh, because of Bridgegate, we now have this golden piece of audio. I want an answer. It's not something you ignore. I think you're 100% full of shit is what I think. If you think we want to fuck you, then. Wow. Who are you to tell me I'm full of shit? 
Oh my God, Raylo. Anyway, uh, what he was objecting to was the policing strategy of the weekend. If there was a policing strategy, and so by raising the bridges and isolating uh, the the loop, the downtown, protecting the downtown, if you will, uh, in Raylo's uh, opinion, and Mace Jackson said the same thing when he came on the show too. Uh, you, you sent the, you sort of channeled the rioting to neighborhoods and there weren't police protection where there wasn't a lot of police protection. So I've always felt back to investigations that what Chicago really need was some kind of overall investigation about the policing strategy. Uh, Not just in that uh, first weekend in June or the end of May, but throughout the summer. And going forward, like who was in charge? Was it Mayor Lori Lightfoot in charge? Was the police department on its own? Did they work in conjunction with each other? Was it Mayor Lori Lightfoot that ordered all those police to surround Trump Tower and do mass arrests? Or was that just the police on their own? I don't know. We've never had any answers. We're going to have three investigations at least uh, into uh, Anjanette Young and the videotape because Lori Lightfoot has decided <clears throat> it's a good uh, for public relations strategy to show that she really cares uh, about uh, victims of police abuse, but no investigations into the police strategy over the summer and Bridgegate and raising of the bridges and potentially diverting violence <clears throat> and protests uh, into the neighborhoods. So D it's just going to be one of those like fables guys like Matt Harvey. He's a young man. He's in his twenties, uh, 50, 30 years from now, when he's in his 50s, we'll be telling young kids, I remember, I guess 50-year-olds like don't talk that way. Let's make it <laughs> 60 years. And he's in his 80s. Matt Harvey, I remember the riots. People don't forget. You forget what the riot. They raised the bridges. And the kids will be going, what an old hippie this guy is. No, I don't even think they'll know what hippies are. But uh, yeah, it's it's one of those. It'll be a iconic moment in Chicago. D. It'll be something that people talk about for a long time. And really, you know, there won't be any there won't be any substance to the talk because nobody will have like the records. Maybe some researcher years from now will do FOIA requests and get the police records and documents, etc., and tell the real story that we don't know. At this moment, I just remember that time when it happened. Remember, people were downtown and she was like, all right, the curfew. You got a curfew here, uh, uh, 930 or whatever it was. And then and people were downtown. Oh, and by the way, I've raised the bridges and you have no way to get out. So, yeah, Matt Harvey did a great job of telling the story about being isolated and having to walk. Remember, he had to walk way out of his way to get back to his car. And so many people like that. You're absolutely correct. D. All right, you got to go home. Curfew. We're imposing a curfew. And they raise the bridges. You can't get out. Then they close the trains. You can't get on the train. Yeah. Uh, uh, mayor, uh, how are we going to get out of the loop? Hmm. Great question. Criminal. Now, <laughs> <laughs> I will take your car. <laughs> So yeah, it was a crazy time, man. And uh, I tell you, uh, I talk so much about City So Real, the great movie by Steve James. But if you just watch the final episode, it's all about the summer. And if you really want to, I mean, you probably don't want to go back to those days. But if you if you just want a sense of what it was like, a reminder, you watch that uh, that final episode, and it really brings it home. It's Bridgegate number seven on our ten gates of Illinois hell countdown. We'll do one more. And then we'll 
put a pause on it. We'll present the top five next week before the new year. So let's do a quick recap before we get to number six. This has been fun, huh, guys? Mm-hmm. Number, <laughs> number 10, Bullshit Gate. The time Kim Fox said bullshit on our show. Number nine, Blago Gate. Number eight, Popcorn Gate. And number seven, Bridge Gate. Ben, how excited are you for number six? I was really, I can't remember. Perfect. I mean, we did a pre-show and you, we, I, I remember you rattled them off. And I go, oh, these are great, D. And I just, exactly what I wanted to happen. I not know what's next. Just exactly what I wanted to happen. People, it is time for our final one here and then we'll jump off. It is time for our number six Gates of Hell story. Number six, six, six. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. Number six. Springfield politicians. <laughs> they promise they won't tax retirement income if their constitutional amendment oh, passes. God. But their measure lets them increase income taxes on every group of taxpayers, oh, including retirees. We're going to let her keep Even going. Our go, Phyllis, go. said so publicly. The truth is nothing oh, in the constitutional amendment protects retirement income from being taxed. <laughs> so we could trust the politicians to be fair oh, to taxpayers God. or vote no. Hot damn, number six is <sighs> fair tax gate. The time Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker put millions of his own dollars into his fair, uh, his fair tax initiative, a proposed amendment to the Illinois state constitution that appeared on the 2020 Illinois general election ballot and would have changed the state income tax system from a flat tax to a graduated income tax. And I say would have because the election's over and sadly it didn't pass. Damn you, Phyllis. But, boy, we sure did have a great time talking about it, especially when our wealthy friends of the conservative persuasion here in Illinois were quick to spring into action on preventing the fair tax from passing. Oh, that's preposterous. Never. And luckily, they had a guy on their side who may be richer than the governor himself. It's more than likely the richest man in Illinois, Kenny G. Ken Griffin. J.B. Pritzker put in $56 million of his own money into his Vote Yes for Fairness pro-fair tax initiative. Kenny G. Ken Griffin put in over $46 million of his own money to the anti-tax committee. And I guess it worked because the fair tax initiative was a flop. It did not get voted in. Benny J., please Give us, uh, give the fair tax a proper send off as we head into this long awaited new year. Well, you could call it Phyllis Gate uh, in recognition of the contribution that the aforementioned Phyllis, uh, a retiree from the suburbs, made to this effort with that preposterous commercial, which was completely erroneous. Uh, I don't think there was a semblance of truth in it. Uh, so you could call it Phyllis Gate. Uh, you could call it Kenny G Gate. Uh, because he was the one who financed it uh, in order to protect money uh, to save himself from having to pay more in taxes down the road. He kicked a little in uh, to the uh, campaign uh, to defeat uh, the fair tax and uh, help finance commercials like uh, the one that uh, Phyllis did. Or you could call it dumb Illinois voters gate, which is uh, what I prefer to call it and think about it. And I know, and I know D. Many guests have come on my show of the leftist persuasion and have chided me 
I could think of Amisha Patel, uh, Micah, Miles. Who else? Many, many of them. I'm trying to think. Uh, my dear friend Keith Kelleher may have chided me as well as he's coming up. People come on the show and they go, "Ben, stop voter shaming. Stop saying voters are dumb. They're not dumb. They're really smart and they're good people." And they just make bad decisions from time to time. And they have been doing this for so long, it's really hard for me just to walk away from some of these bad decisions. So in the case of the voters of Illinois, you faced a situation where you could have made the richest people in the state, meaning not you, pay more in taxes so you would have to either pay less or not as much. And what did you do? You voted against your own self-interest. And I just still can't get over this, D. Like the retirees on the northwest and the southwest side who listened to that commercial from fellas. There wasn't a shred of truth to it. The fair tax had nothing to do with taxing retirement income. And they heard it. They go, well, I heard a commercial. I know I'm not supposed to vote or shame, but voters, you like believe stuff you hear in commercials. How many times have I told you? Don't believe the good things that people say about themselves in a commercial and don't believe the bad things they say about somebody else. Just believe what I tell you. So they go, I heard the commercial. Must be true. It was in a commercial. I'm going to vote against it. So you're a retiree, a pensioner, a municipal employee. Now what? You're going to be living as an old person on their pension. I got news for you. The same people who finance the Phyllis commercial are going to turn around and come after your pensions. Yes, they are. Oh, yes, they will. They've made it clear. They don't want their taxes going to your pension because they'd rather have those taxes staying in their pocket or going to programs that benefit them. But you're so dumb, you voted against your own self-interest. And you did it because of a commercial that the person who's against your self-interest financed. And I'm watching this day and I'm like, I don't want to vote or shame. I really don't. I want to be like Amisha Patel, you know, and I want to be like Miles and Micah. I really do. You know, and Mays. How about Mays Jackson coming on the show? <laughs> coming on the show last week to fend... Black voters in Chicago who voted for Rahm in 2015. I want to be like Mays and Micah and Miles and Amisha and really believe in the voters. But you've let me down time and time again, voters. Every now and then, you know, and hey, I'm not perfect. D, I'm not perfect. Who did I vote for for mayor in 2019, D? Come on, tell me. Come on. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lori Lightfoot. Thank you. I'm not perfect. Okay. But I don't know, the fair tax. So now Governor Pritzker is going to raise taxes on us all. With the, we have a flat tax. He's going to raise taxes on, all, on us all. And then all these people with the Pritzker suck signs are going to get mad at Pritzker. Well, he raised our taxes. And they're going to vote for who? Who's going to be running in 2022 for the Republicans? Darren Bailey? Rob Bogoyevich? Adam Kinzinger, you know, Jim Durkin, whoever, whoever they run. That is gonna tell you, oh, there's DB. So, D, that's the fair tax initiative. That's right. Yeah, there's Blago. He's running. Oh, no, actually, uh, 
I've been told he can't run because he's a felon. <laughs> yeah, that'll that? hold you back sometimes, I guess. Yeah, I get it. But, but it's some, so many people go, bet he can't run. He's a felon. So, uh, all right, he can't run. Okay, whatever. Um, but, yeah, that'll be uh, – the fair tax will be reverberate. That loss will be reverberating with us uh, for a long time because we're going to have to figure out how uh, to pay the obligations the state of Illinois has. So they're either going to cut a lot of services or raise taxes on everybody or a combination of them both. So there it was. Good job. Number six on Good our job. list fair tax gate. Springfield politician. Okay, Phyllis, that's enough. Uh, and Michael Girardi on the live stream chat, he raises a good point. Wait, fair tax? How is this a gate? Is this a is this a gate? I would say Phyllis Gate. Phyllis Gate. Can we, ah, okay, okay, okay. You know, the people who hear this the podcast, we're just going to edit that. They won't know. It'll be a skillful job done by Dr. D, our crack producer. I was just worried no one would know, you know, like if I just said Phyllis Gate, you know, maybe someone would have thought like their aunt was on our list or something. I know someone an angry letter. Would you just love an angry How dare you call it the fair tax gate? It's not really. My apologies, Michael Girardi. Maybe uh, Phyllis Gate, I guess we could I think it. Phyllis Gate would, uh, yeah. I, I actually, I think Girardi's oh, right. Could have used you at that pre-show meeting, buddy. <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so there it was numbers 10 through 6 that ought to hold you over for a week all right we're counting down the top 10 illinois stories of 2020 the 10 gates of illinois hell because you know 2020 sucked ass uh so next week we're going to be on the live stream chat again and we will do numbers 5 through 10 I know people are just anxious and wondering uh, what number five is, but they're just going to have to wait. You know what I mean? Going to have to wait until next week on the Ben Jarofsky Show as we count down the 10 gates of Illinois hell. Number five. We'll start it off next week. Don't worry. Number five. (laughs) Whoa. We appreciate you joining us, everybody. Merry Christmas. Yes, Merry Christmas to one and all. And let's hope this rain does not turn to snow, because if it does, it's going to be like 30 inches of snow. Uh, Merry Merry Christmas, everybody. So we won't have a live show uh, tomorrow or Friday or Saturday or Sunday, but we have plenty of shows to drop each and every day at uh, 5 in the morning. And we will see you back on the show, the live stream listeners, uh, on Tuesday. And so, yeah. Merry Christmas to everybody and uh, stay safe and sound. Take care, everybody. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.